0: Well, it's good to kind of have a normal Sunday after uh, Easter and Mexico Sundays, two very big days, which were really fun um, and good Sundays for our church. But it's nice to kind of be back to normal, to be honest. And today we begin a new series of sermons that uh, we are calling Questions God Asks Us. So we're going to look at certain questions in the Bible that God asks people and I believe asks us really key questions the interesting thing about these questions is I believe they they get to some kind of the essence of what it means to be in relationship with God and today certainly is that you know we are looking or reading from Genesis chapter 3 and the book of Genesis is an amazing book the first 11 chapters really are like the floodwaters Of the entire Bible. All the main themes um, are in those first 11 chapters. So we'll see that today. The question that we're dealing with today is God asking Adam, where where are you? So uh, let me read the scripture and then we'll jump right in. This is chapter 3 verses 1 through 13. Now the serpent was more crafty you will certainly not die. Don't you like my serp- serpent? That? <laughs> I'm pretty good at being the serpent, I think. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, And also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves." Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman. (laughs) Some things never change, right? The old blame game right here. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. God, we pray that you would uh, speak to us really clearly today from this great story. Um, help us to under- understand ourselves and help us to understand you and what you have for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I was at the gym, I was on the Stairmaster reading a book. and. Uh, You know, either uh, using the Stairmaster or the stationary bike, that is some of my best time for thinking and reading. I often uh, look over my sermon and kind of digest it as I'm on uh, one of those two machines. And so I was at the gym and I was actually reading a book by the great spiritual writer, Henry Nowen, who is like a mentor to me, has a great way of communicating the love and the mercy, the grace of God. So I, I'm deep in thought, I'm reading this, and a woman gets on the empty machine next to me and um, begins talking to me. And I realized it was one of my wife's good friends, who I didn't know that well, but I know my wife adored her. She said, I heard you're a pastor, and I said, yeah, I am a pastor, and she began to tell me her story, and this was her story. She had been raised Catholic on the East Coast, very devoted Catholic family, and she herself was very devoted to her faith, um, and, then, and and I, I would say she would express this too, knew the love of God and enjoyed her relationship with God. Um, It brought her joy, like we just sang about it. It brought her peace. Uh, She felt God's presence in her life. And then in her late teens, early adulthood, I think maybe in college, her mom uh, had cancer and died. And because of that painful experience, she got really angry with God, which is understandable, right? I mean, I've been in that point in my life, too. And this is often what I see. Something happens, really difficult in a person's life, and they walk away from God because they're angry. So it's understandable. But she had been away from God now, hiding from God, for 20 years. And had begun to come to our church. And I taught... Uh, a uh, Bible study on uh, Tuesday mornings with young moms and she was in that Bible study and, and was I think reconsidering where she was in her spiritual journey and I think she missed this companionship this relationship that she had with God and so she kind of talked to me about it where do I go how do I do this And I said, well, you know, it's not so much you finding God, it's God finding you and you just being open. I said, what I would encourage you to do is be completely honest with God and pour out your heart and let him know how you feel and what you've experienced. And then I took this book and I said, and then take this book and read it. (laughs) And let's get together and talk about it. So I watched her over the next years. And, you know, the first few months of her journey back at church and in this study, wow, every time she cried. Every time we sang a song, she cried. We'd get to a certain point of scripture, I'd make a certain point, and I could see her tearing up. And they weren't tears of sadness, I think they were tears of healing and of joy and her relationship with God was restored and she wasn't hiding any longer this is the story of the bible from right here the third chapter to the very and even before this actually from the very first page This is the story. It is of a God who created all things out of love and then is seeking, searching for his creation, his people seeking to be in communion, in relationship with his people. That is the big story, the meta story And a lot of it, this story, is about the people hiding and running away from God. And we see this in this story today. The very first question that God asks is, where are you? And how you hear that question is really important. If you hear it like, where are you, kind of accusatory or condemning, then I think you're hearing it wrong. I think it's, where are you, my son, my daughter? This is a, a really interesting story. There's so much in here. But it's really about this, about God's love. Seeking after humankind. People often ask, you know, why did God prohibit eating from the one tree? And here's the answer. God gives us freedom. You can't have, God wants to be in loving relationship with us. You can't have love without choice. And so God gives us a choice to trust, to obey, or to not. And, you know, it's interesting. Notice the nature of temptation. It comes from within and it comes from outside of us. It comes from within as Eve sees this fruit that was so good and pleasing to the eye and wants it. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. So it comes from within, but it's interesting to note that something outside also is tempting and that's evil there's cosmic evil now we don't know the origin of evil the Bible doesn't really explain it where it came from it just acknowledges the reality of it and if you don't believe that there's evil in the world just read the first page of the New York Times And look at what's going on in Ukraine. Evil is like one of the easiest doctrines of the Christian faith to believe in. But the temptation for Eve and for Adam is so great. Who wouldn't want to be like God? And that's really the temptation. And so what do they do? You know what they do, because you would have done the same thing. (laughs) I would have done the same thing. Tell somebody not to do one thing, and what do they do? (laughs) What are they tempted to do? The one thing you tell them not to do, and so sin enters the world, and innocence is lost. We call this the fall. But do you really see what lies at the heart of what we call sin? You know, oftentimes we think of it as being all the things that we do wrong, these little rules that we break, and really what it is, is it's not trusting God. This is the heart of it. We don't trust God that God is good and that God has good things for us. We think we know better. God is denying us something. I remember when I was a youth pastor. I, I think teenagers, Scott, you may know this. You better know this. It, it's so true. I think what's so hard for them is they think, wow. If I trust God, and this is for us too, if I trust God, God's going to rip me off. I'm not going to experience all the good things that life has for me if I trust God. And that's really at the heart of this. It's a basic distrust of God and God's love. And we look at Adam and Eve and we think, wow, here you are in paradise. You're in communion with God. You're in this beautiful place. Why in the world would you ever do something to destroy that? And yet we can look at our lives and think, man, God has given me so many good things. God is so good when we really look at our lives. Why would we distrust God? Why don't we trust God with every single bit of our life? And the consequences of this bad decision are tragic and far-reaching, right? We've seen it for all of history now. The result is shame and hiding from God and separation. And what had been perfect communion with God is now broken. And we hide from God. You know, interesting that Adam and Eve grabs uh, they grab big fig leaves. And I remember living in Chico and along Chico Creek were these big fig trees, these natural fig trees, natives of California. And the leaves were this big. And so you sew them together and you got a pretty good, pretty good piece of clothing. <laughs> Not that I ever wore the, that clothing. But. And this is what happens. They hide from God. They're independent of God. And for the first time, fear enters the world. And we've been doing it ever since. You know, we still wear fig leaves today, figuratively, right? We hide. We put on masks. We do all kinds of things to hide from God. We can see it in this story. One can be the mask of blaming others. (laughs) Adam takes his punishment just like a man. He blames the woman. And it's not, you know, this has been totally misinterpreted over the years, blaming the woman. That's not the point of the story. It could have been Adam just as much as the woman. It's nothing about being a woman. But he, he blames her. And this blame game has been going on ever since. It can be one of the masks. We can blame our parents. We can blame others. We can blame the church. We can blame political leaders. It's a very convenient way to never, and we see this, don't we, like with alcoholism and addictions and everything. It's it's blaming others instead of taking our own stuff and being honest, which is what God wants, and growing and deepening our relationship with God. We just blame others. Or we can wear the mask of busyness. Boy, that's a great mask today. We get so busy that we never can really be in communion with God. Pascal said, and I love this quote, he said, All the troubles of humankind stem from humankind's inability to sit quietly in a room and be still. And dialogue with God so many masks there's the mask of intellectualism you know I think some people hold God at bay because they have these big questions that can't be answered and those are legitimate questions and we can struggle with them you know why is there evil why do bad things happen to good people how can we prove that God exists all these questions but Sometimes I think people use it, these questions, as a way to just kind of keep God at a distance and to hide from God and not really know God. I think there's the mask of religion. I've had a lot of people since I have started here tell me that, you know, people aren't into religion today. We, we shouldn't really focus on religion. And... I want to say, I totally agree with you. (laughs) Religion in the sense of keeping rules and being a good person, that's not what Christian faith is about. Christian faith is about life. About new life. And growing. And being free. And having joy. And being in relationship with God. Religion, being religious can be a mask. You can focus so much on the rules and being a good person that you miss this These songs today are amazing. Pay attention to these songs talking about a joyous, free, loving, good relationship with God where God is our companion all the time and guides us Yesterday, I did a memorial service in Newport Beach for a woman, my best friend's mom, who died in 100 years old. Amazing. The, the service went on for an hour and 45 minutes. I guess when you live that long, a lot of people want to share stories about you, right? Amazing woman. Faithful, faithful person all her life. The last number of years of her life, she spent... Alone a lot. It was interesting to me that the songs, she was a musician. See she played piano, led worship at First Presbyterian Church in Hollywood in its heyday. And she picked the songs that were to be played. She was communicating to us what, what she wanted us to hear, her especially her grandkids, I think. <laughs> and they were all about communion with God about the love of God, about God as a companion, about abiding with God, being with God, dwelling with God, knowing God in that way, you know? And she wanted to communicate that. And I think she wasn't alone. And that's what happened. She spent so much time alone with God. She had this relationship that she really wanted to communicate. So what God wants... Is this intimacy with us. This honest relationship. And not just with us. But with others. You know it's so interesting to me. That the thing that Jesus really had the harshest words about. When he walked on the earth. What was it? It was hypocrisy. It was pretending. It was wearing masks. And not being honest with who you are. And who you are with God. And who you are with other people. Pretending people have pretending relationships with God and with other people and it seems to me what God wants is real, authentic relationship with him and real, authentic relationships with other people. Being honest. So we come back to this question, where are you, and I think what this tells us is so much about the nature of God. God, first of all, searches for those who are lost. And when we're not in communion with God, we're lost. He asks the question, where are you? Where are you, son? Where are you, daughter? Why are you hiding from me? And it's not condemnation it's not accusing it's more restorative i want to be in a relationship with you don't don't hide from me and god is coming and god is searching and god is seeking and this is the god we see throughout the bible remember when we looked at this uh, in the parables of jesus probably first couple of weeks i was here jesus said that god is like a shepherd who had a 100 sheep and what one runs off and what does god do god goes and seeks after this one sheep and looks and looks and looks and looks through the canyons up the hills keeps looking never gives up god is like jesus said a woman who loses a coin and she sweeps and she looks throughout her whole house and she searches and she searches and she searches until finally she finds this valuable coin and rejoices and calls her friends and say, Come, I found what was lost, this coin, let's have a party. God is like a father who has two sons and one of them runs off. Stupid kid. Thinking that he knows better. Same sin that we see here in this passage. Finally comes home, what does God do? Man, it goes out and runs and hugs him and kisses him over and over and over. Jesus said, this is what God is like this searching, loving God. So God is searching and God is boundless with his love. How does God seek and find us? How does God bring us to himself? You know, this is a mystery. I'm not sure exactly how it happens, but I've seen it happen Hundreds of times in my years as a pastor. And I can't explain it, but it's like somehow God searches. He finds. He, he kind of brings us to himself over and over and over again. And he never gives up. And his love is boundless. I like to use the term, he woos us. Have you ever heard that term? He woos us. A friend of mine, I'll close with this story. A friend of mine told me a great illustration. And he he compared God's love to a a big ranch. And it's so big that you can never get off the ranch. It just goes on and on and on. It's like that ranch in Texas. Did you know there's a, at least this was true a few years ago, there was a, a ranch in Texas that is bigger than Rhode Island. I hate to admit because I don't like Texas, sorry if you're a Texan. (laughs) It's that big. You can't really get off, it it just goes on, there there are no fences, it's so big. You can't wander off that ranch. And he also said, told me the story of talking to a, a friend of his in Australia who knew of a ranch like that, who owned a ranch, who was huge like the one in Texas. And he asked this owner of the ranch, he said, how do you gather the sheep, the cattle? How do you keep them together? How do you gather them, bring them home when you have such a big ranch? And you know what he said? He said, well, you put out water and salt licks and hay and food and the cattle gather at the wells. And the food and the hay. Do you see God? It's God's goodness, God's love that compels us. It melts our hearts and brings us back when we're when we've wandered. You know, I I went through a hard time in my life in the tw- in my twenties. I went through a broken engagement. My the house I grew up in burned down. I was on the roof trying to save it. Uh, I blew out my knee. I had to drop out of grad school because I just couldn't concentrate. You know, it's one of those times I felt like Job. The final thing was my beloved 68 VW bug, which I had just restored, was stolen in West Covina. And I remember sitting on the curb. It was one of those smoggy, hot LA days. And I just said, God, what is going on? And I was like my friend. I said, you know, if this is what it means to be in a relationship with God, forget it. I, and I wandered. And I was miserable. <laughs> the whole time I wandered. And then it was God's love. Knowing God's grace and love. that, And through God putting people in my life who con- communicated that to me. I came back. And there was one hymn, a verse to a great that just means so much to me because I noticed this is it. This is the story. It's come thou fount of every blessing. And I haven't sang for a while, so you you deserve it today. Have you ever noticed this, this verse? Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. And this is it. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Isn't that, aren't those great words? Prone to, I started too high. I'm going I'm to lower. <laughs> Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Yeah, it's God's love. His companionship. His goodness. His grace. That's what brings us back. Not guilt. Not through fear of punishment, not arm twisting. God keeps track of us and he keeps searching no matter how we hide. So the question today is the question to you, where are you? Are you home? Have you been found? Are you enjoying the goodness, the the just the the love of this companionship with God? Are you hiding behind religion? God is calling you. Where where are you? He just wants to be with you in an honest relationship. And that's why he created us. Amen. God, we thank you for this amazing story. But most of all, we thank you for the companionship that we can have with you, the presence that you can be in our lives, that we can know you, not just intellectually, but uh, as a good friend, as a Lord, as someone who guides us and and helps us to live life to the fullest. Lord, may we be honest in our relationship with you. May we feel the freedom to pour out our, our fears, our anger, our hurt, our joys, our gratitude, whatever it may be, but may we have authentic, real, honest relationships with you. And may we know your love, your companionship, and your presence every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.